This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Welcome everybody. Parshas Kisis of 5781. This year is for a, dedicated as a Rafua Shalema for Yusuf ben Yocheved. Yusuf ben Yochaved. Perik Laman Aleph Pasik Bezerun Re'i Karasi Bishem Betzalo ben Uri ben Churlamati Yehuda. See, it's a weird word, right? See that I have called out in the name of Betzalo ben Uri ben Chur of Shevet Yehuda. Rev. Victor Miller says something beautiful here. He says, building that Mishkan is by far the greatest thing, the most important thing that has ever happened in the history of the world. In the history of the world, including creation, including Harsinai, he says. This is how important it is, the Medrash says. It would be used to exert influence, what's called Shefa, upon the entire world, that everybody will get everything that they need from the Mishkan, for every following generation, for all time, from building this Mishkan. The Kalim of the base of Mikdash that would be built were supposed to have a soul. They were supposed to have their own special nefesh, as if they were living creatures, living animals. And it, 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 it's obviously incredibly difficult to do that to an inanimate object, to infuse it with a soul and allow it to be something. And that's why the person who built it, this is how Victor Miller says it, has to be beyond someone special. Not just someone special, but beyond that. Someone who knew how to be mitzaref osios, combine the letters of a Kaddish Baruch whose names that are hidden throughout the Torah and be able to tell you exactly what it means to infuse life in everything that he did and said. Someone who knew how to do everything. Betzalel was foreseen by Hashem. HaKadosh Baruch who looked into the world and knew that Betzalel was the person who was going to be able to do this and planted him in that generation for this reason. It could be that Betzalel really was supposed to live in a different generation. But Hashem made sure that he was there to make sure that he wasn't random. He was literally the best person of all time. The only one who could make the Mishkan that it was. That's the word Re'eh. That's the creation, karasi b'shem. This is not just um, a person. He's like, okay, we, you know, we got a guy and he's the best that we got for right now. No, he is the best. There is no one like him at all. The word re'eh can be seen in a bunch of different ways. We're going to see from a bunch of things. The Sforno says, you'll see what this man is able to do. You will see how special this person is. It's not for nothing. He would be able to figure it out, and you'll see it yourself. When he does it, you're going to be like, oh, wow, look at what this guy did. And obviously, everything went well. The Mishkan was done perfectly by Claudius, or one of the very few things that we've ever done as a nation that has worked out entirely well. The Kliyakar says even more so, Moshe Rabbeinu should see with his Ruach HaKodesh. Don't just look at him. See him. Look inside of him. Be able to look and see exactly who he is. I don't know if anybody's been to a guttle before, but when you walk into a guttle and you feel like he's staring into your soul, and you're sitting there and you feel scared. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu was doing to Betzalel. Look at him, says the Kaddish Baruch. You'll see he has everything he needs. The tour suggests that that's the idea. Look at him and see what you can find. You'll see that he's a good person and he can be trusted. That's not a spiritual thing. He just looks like a good person. He looks like a yusher guy who can do everything you ask him to do. His greatness could be seen from the outside and Moshe Rabbeinu was able to just look at him and see it and there was no problem. The Orachayim HaKadur says a little bit different. He was telling Moshe to look at his name and see his greatness. He was in Bitzal El, the shadow of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He was supposedly one of the best who could have ever lived. 
That's what he's going to see. And the Rabbinah Bechai says it's a bit of both. A seeing physically and seeing spiritually what Bitzalah was all about and what he was going to do. Moshe Rabbeinu was told to look in the Elyonim, the skies above and the Tachtonim, the world below. He would be able to see everything and realize that Bitzalah was perfect even though he was only 13 years old. 13 years old. That's pretty amazing. From the Gemara and Sanhedrin, Samachtes, we learned that he was, Samachtes of Abbas, he's called an Ish later. He's called a man. That means he was supposed to be 13 years old, and that's it. And nonetheless, he is the perfect man for the job. Rav Hirsch says it must be that Bitzel already had prodigious talents and things that everybody saw in him already. They saw, like, look at this kid. This kid can do anything. And certain people have that. I don't know if you've heard of these kids that are able to do these unbelievable things when they're super young, and you... You say, how in the world was he able to do that? This is what Bitzalah was. Bitzalah was someone who clearly knew exactly what Hashem wanted him to do. That's the words, Re'eh Karasi. I've already called out. And everybody looked and said, of course, Bitzalah. Who else would be the person to be chosen aside from Bitzalah? That's the idea about it. And finally, Ramosha and Kolram says that the word Re'eh means you have to look at yourself. Do you have something that nobody else has? And if you do... You have to use that talent in the best way possible, in the most spiritual way possible, in some way, shape, or form, for Klau Yisrael. If you have a talent, if you have something that you can do, it's not just enter inside American Idol and try to become the best person, you know, that it's up there on stage. It's to use it in some way that will allow Klau Yisrael to make something kadosh, to have something awesome. And that's what Vesalo has done. He could have made anything. He could have created more pyramids or a a more perfected version of a pyramid in Egypt. Another way to make something great. And Vesalo was chosen to make the Mishkan because you don't waste your talents and things in this world. You use them toward a spiritual fulfillment. Use those powers you have for something that would be awesome. That's what he was told to do and that's what he ended up doing. That's the end of the word re'e itself. The Das, the Kenim, Rechaim, Paltiel, the Chizkuni, the Moshe, the Kenim, all Rishon, they say that maybe that's why Hur's name is mentioned here, but not Kali. Betzalel ben Uri ben Hur of Matiuda. Hur's father was Kali. Kali, as we know, Kali ben Yefuna, one of the Meraglim who married Miriam. Their son was Hur, etc. But Kali's not mentioned here. And the reason why is because Betzalel was chosen for one simple reason. The Mishkan was a kapara for the Chet HaEgel. During the Chet HaEgel, the people worshipped the Vodizara. We know that. They bowed down to the golden calf. They did Gili Arias. That we don't see. But the word Mitzachek indicates that they did some form of Gili Arias. We don't know how or why or when. That we don't know. And they also did Shvichos Damin. They killed Hur. Hur went up and complained. He said, what are you guys doing? Why would you want to do such a thing? And they got up and they killed Hur. And that was such a terrible thing that there needed to be a kapara, and the Mishkan was a kapara for what they did with the Egel Azov. Therefore, Hur's grandson, Betzalel ben Uri ben Hur, was the one who was chosen to do so, the one who went up against them. He was the one who ended up being the person who fought against etc. Because Nain Latour says the reason that Betzalel was chosen and not Uri, Hur's son, why Betzalel? It's not because of his talents. It's because Uri was still Sharui Ba'avelus. He was still so sad. His father had just passed away a month ago, two months ago. This is Yom Kippur from the times of Shivas Batamus, right? This is the time, that's when his father had passed away. He could not do it. So therefore, his grandson, Bitsala, was chosen instead because he wasn't as sad about Hur's death as Uri. He was the one that was chosen to do it. The Chassam Sofer says it's all hinted to from the left Mitzrayim. Does anybody remember the words 
What were the words that they had to say in order to leave Mitzrayim? The words that Serach Bas Asher knew, Moshe Rabbeinu said, even though it was impossible because he had a lisp, but he had that word. Do you remember it? Pakod Pakadati. Exactly. Pakod Pakadati is also mentioned by the Egel Azov, Uviyom Pakti Ufakadati is the words that's used, used regarding the Egel Azov. Their kaparo is through Betzalel, because Betzalel, Huri, uh, Hur, and Uri, Betzalel, Uri, and Hur, are the gematria of Tifgod, 584, to hint that they would make that kapara happen through the Mishkan itself. And that's a beautiful idea of what happened over here. Now, the Abarbanel says, this was a, like a whole mishmash. Nobody knew what to do. Everybody approached Moshe Rabbeinu and said, hey, by the way, Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm really good with wood. And another guy said, hey, you know, I know how to refine gold really well. And another guy said, hey, you know, when it comes to silver, I'm a big silversmith. Everybody had a certain talent that was out there. And they went up to Moshe Rabbeinu and they said, look, we want a kapara. We know what we did with the Egel Azov. We want to do this as a kapara for the Egel Azov. Just tell us what to do. Now, Moshe Rabbeinu is lost. How in the world is he going to choose who's going to do what? This guy's going to work with the Eagles, with the, the Aron HaKodesh. This guy's going to do the Kruvim. How is, in the world am I going to be able to decide who, do, who does what? I don't even know. Am I going to test their talents? Moshe Rabbeinu was totally and utterly confused how he did it. He needed somebody to be in charge. But that was the problem. Who would be there to be in charge? And this is before our Pusik starts. What's going to happen? The only person that was like that was Bitsala. And according to the Abarbanel, he knew Bitsala. He knew Bitsala. And he was the perfect kid for the job. But there was a problem, and it's nepotism. He didn't want to give the job to his great nephew. Remember, his sister Miriam is the wife of Kalev, who's the mother of Hur, the grandmother of Uri, the great-grandmother of Betzalel. This is his great-great-nephew. He didn't want to give him to give them the job because everybody everybody was already saying Moshe Rabbeinu is the king and his brother Aaron is the Kohen Gadol, right? Nadav and Avi are the Sgane Kuna. Everybody in Moshe's family was getting a job, and if Bitzalel got the job of being in charge of the Mishkan, he felt like everybody was going to complain about it. So the Abarbanel says that what Hakadosh Baruch was telling him is Re'ei Karasti B'Shem. It's not you, Moshe. I'm calling out Bitzalel's name. I'm the one doing it. Said so everybody should know it's not you. It's not you choosing one of your relatives to get this job. No, it's me who's calling it out. And that's something that's awesome. The Oznayim Torah says every single person, when they went and begged to be chosen, the only person, obviously, Moshe Rabbeinu was not sure what to do exactly, HaKadosh Baruch Hu accepted all of them, accepted all of them, and told them, Bitzalel is not really in charge. All he's doing is finding which people do the best work on certain things and allowed them to choose their jobs. I don't know exactly how that went. I, you have to be a chacham lave to be able to work this. You'd assume there had to be some spiritual aspect that they had to for it as well. But Betzalel was involved in everything that would lead them in the right direction, which allowed them to be assuaged and said, oh, wow, I get a job, I'm going to do something, and that's awesome. Now, the shach brings an unfortunate thought. It's like one of those things where you think about it and you're like, oh, wow, that's absolutely true. Does anybody know why Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't build the Mishkan himself? Moshe Rabbeinu could not build the Mishkan. Because what would happen? It's the same thing with Moshe building the base of Mikdash. Why couldn't Moshe build the actual base of Mikdash? Forget about the Mishkan. The actual base of Mikdash. He couldn't go to Eretz Yisrael and build the base of Mikdash. He couldn't build the Mishkan because... Anybody know? Very good. If he did so, it would never be destroyed ever again. Moshe Rabbeinu was just that powerful and anything he made would last forever. Moshe Rabbeinu could not be directly involved 
Instead, he shows Bitzalel, which in a way, everybody knows the name means Bitzalel. He's in the shadow of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But another way, he's in the shadow. He's just a shadow. What happens when you move out of the light? What happens to your shadow? It's gone. That's what the Mishkan is going to be like. The Mishkan is going to be there for when I need it. And when it's gone, it's gone. If Moshe Rabbeinu was there, the Mishkan would never be allowed to be destroyed. There would be no Mishkan Shiloh being destroyed by the times of the Plishtim. That would never have happened. It would have remained forever and nothing bad would have happened to it. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu could not allow that to happen. So Hashem told Moshe, I know you think you're building the Mishkan. You can't send Betzalel instead. And when Moshe Rabbeinu said, why? He said, because the eventuality is that this, base of, this Mishkan is going to be destroyed. The Mishkan was not totally destroyed. Many of the Kalim remained afterward, but the area of the Mishkan itself never remained. It never became something big. In fact, for years, over 60 years, they didn't bring the Aron Kodesh to the other areas where the Mizbech and everything else was. They couldn't put this stuff together. The Miam Loez says even further, you guys know this? A king is not allowed to work in front of multiple people. He can't work. Moshe Rabbeinu was a king. He couldn't work in front of everybody else. So therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu forbade him from building the Mishkan. How can you? You can't build the Mishkan. You're not allowed to work in front of other people. And therefore, we had to appoint someone else instead. Yeah, Shlomo. Very, very good. But that wasn't considered an avoda as in like something that was a lowly creating something out of work. That was supposed to be the avoda of the Mishkan. That's okay. You know, part of the avoda, the avoda Hashem, that was that he was allowed to do. But to actually build the, the materials and to put things together, that he wasn't allowed to do. To be the manufacturer, maybe that's the right word for it, that he wasn't allowed to do. But to build it up in order to do the avoda, that was fine. That was considered okay. That he was allowed to do. Now the bracha, the Gemara Brachos is even stranger. The Gemara Brachos Nun Hamad Aleph says, the Kaddish Baruch Hu wanted to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, is Bitzalo good for you? Haguna lecha Bitzalo. Do you like Bitzalo? And Moshe Rabbeinu said, Akadosh Baruch Hu, I mean, if he's good for you, for sure he's good for me. So then Hashem said, go ask the people if Bitzalo is good for them. So he went up to the people and he said, do you guys want Bitzalo? And they're like, Moshe, if you and God want him, what can we say? How could we ever say anything back? Rabbi Yitzchak says the reason why that had to happen is because in order to appoint a Parnas on a tzibor, you want to make somebody in charge, you need to ask them first. That's a great mita tova. They don't just force upon everyone a certain person or a certain idea that you want. You have to ask them and get permission to be able to do it first. But hold on a second. Did they ever go to the people and ask if Aaron should be the Kohen Gadol? Did that ever happen? Did they ever go to the people and say, Aaron's going to be the Kohen Gadol. You guys okay with that? No, nobody said that. Aaron was just appointed as the Kohen Gadol. Yoshua was appointed king after Moshe Rabbeinu. Did anybody ever say to the people, hey, do you guys accept Yoshua as king? That never happened. Moshe Rabbeinu just said, he was told by a Baruch Hu, put your hand on top of him, give your koach over to him, and he's going to be the next king. And that was it. There was no kashas of like, maybe we should go to the people. Why was Bitzalel different? Why by Bitzalel did they have to go and ask questions and say, are you guys okay with him? When by everybody else, it's just like, Whatever. You know, if it, he's a good guy, he's a good guy, and that's that. Why would he be any different over here? The Shach says it's because Moshe Rabbeinu was supposed to build the Mishkan. The Asisa, it says over and over by Parshas Truma, you're going to make it. But now it was taken away from Moshe Rabbeinu and given to Betzalel, perhaps because of the Egel Azov. But it's given over to Betzalel. And if Betzalel is going to be the one in charge, Moshe Rabbeinu has to say, okay, I'm okay with that. 
taking it away from you and giving it to them. Hashem said to Moshe, are you okay with that? I can't take it away from you without your permission, so to speak, because it's yours. It was yours. And that's when Moshe Rabbeinu said, yeah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if you want it, then that's what I'm going to do. And that's why you have to go to the people, because again, they had to accept the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu was not going to be their guy. He wasn't going to build it for them. Are you guys okay with that? Then I'm not building it. And they said, look, if that's the way it has to be, that's the way it has to be. They weren't the happiest, but they accepted it. The Grizz says that's why Betzalo had to be the age of 13. There's big Shilohs with stuff like this. He could have been a super genius nine-year-old, and that would have been good enough. But there's a problem. You ever heard of the concept Uman Kona Bishvach Kli? You ever heard of that concept? Anybody hear of it before? Uman Kona Bishvach Kli. It's a Gemara above a comma toward the very end in the ninth parak and parts of the tenth parak, where if you're an Uman and you're a tradesman, you're working on a certain item, when you make the item go up, like you dye, a guy gives you like a thing of wool and says, I want this to be dyed purple, and you dye it purple. When you dye it purple, officially you own the Kli. When the guy pays you for the work that you've done, you're literally being maknehim, the kli. The uman, the tradesman, is kona the kli by changing it into something that's much more beautiful than what it once was. By changing it from a white piece of wool to a purple piece of wool, you are kona that through the shvach, through the upwards motion, the fact that it goes up, the value that goes up of the kli, then you give it over. Here's the problem. If Betzalo was under 13, if Betzalo was under 13, he would be Kona every item he made for the Mishkan. He would own it. And a kid can't be Makna to anybody else. A kid can't give it back. Yeah. A kid is allowed to be Kona. He can take something for himself. He has no ability to give it back. It's like you, ever, if you, you have a Lula of an Esrog and you want your kid to be Yotze. So you can't borrow a lulav and esrog. You can't do that. It has to be. It can't be lulav a shul. Doesn't work. It has to be your own lulav lakachem lachem. So you have to give it to your kid. But there's a huge shaila. You give it to your kid. You're giving it to him as matana. He can't give it back. There's no such thing as being makne by a child. There's such a thing as being kona, but not makne. So that's yeah. But wouldn't it have to be his father have to do it? No, I, it's a, with Yisoen, they have to have an avitropis in order. To no, 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 no. That's that's regarding other issues of like, yeah, you're right regarding you know uh, the, regarding inheriting things, etc. Right. This is not a yasom. This is just simply put, kinyanim. Can a kid make a kinyan? Yes, a kid is allowed to make a kinyan. But can a kid be magnet? No. So a lulav and esrog is a real problem. It's what people do. They usually say when they give it over to a kid, they have to have already been yotze with it to make sure, because otherwise you have a problem. It's the kid's lulav and esrog now. It's not going to be lekakht and lechem. It's a big shayla when it comes to stuff like that. That's the reason why. Says the Grizz, that's why you have to be over 13. He wouldn't be able to give it back to the mishkan unless he was 13. But hold on, Shalom, before you, before you ask, the second part is really what I wanted over here. The second answer is that everything had to be made lishma. A katan can't do things lishma. Because he was 13 years old and he was so young he might not have been a cut but he was 13 that's why they had to get permission you can imagine I, 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 if I'm getting a guy who's going to be in charge of the Michigan a guy who's going to be in charge and doing everything etc I can completely understand that you don't have to ask permission Aaron being the Kohen Gadol you don't have to ask permission you want Yoshua to be the king you don't have to ask permission but Betzal was a 13 year old making the Mishkan, the most important thing to have ever happened in the world, said Rabbi Victor Miller. You have to get permission from that. You can't just do that. 
You have to do something, especially if the kapara, the eagle is also a kapara for the mishkan. The mishkan, I'm sorry, is a kapara for the eagle. In order to get a kapara, you need somebody who can actually do it for you. Can you imagine relying on a 13-year-old to affect a kapara for 600,000 people in Klaizol? No offense. Can you imagine doing such a thing? You can't admit, you can't say that a 13-year-old would be able to do it. There's no way. How does he have the das to do that? And to that, Moshe Rabbeinu said, guys, do you think Bitzal is good enough? They said, Moshe Rabbeinu, if you want him and Hashem wants him, then obviously he's good enough. We didn't think he's good enough. But if you guys want him, what are we going to do over here? It's clear that he's good enough for this. Shlomo, yeah, what were you going to ask before? I, I, I hear you. In other words, I, I don't know what the status is by a katan at the times of Matan Torah. I don't know. And maybe you're right. Maybe it would be a little bit different. I, I'm, quoting, I'm quoting from the Briskarov. The Briskarov is learning the halacha that after Matan Torah, 13 was the official age. Now, why 13? That's already, it's a Gemara Nidarim, and we're learning it from halacha Lamosha Messinai. I don't know why the age 13 specifically, but apparently that still applied then. It's a kasha. I, I don't know. But apparently that still applied then, and that's that. Okay. Did you guys know there was a Sefer of Adam Rishon? We kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago. Adam Rishon had a Sefer. The Ramban quotes a Medrash, it's in Shmos Rabbah, it's in Perak Mem, Halacha Beis. Here's what the Medrash says. HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed Moshe in the Sefer of Adam Rishon. And in it, every person is mentioned, every leader of every generation. Every single leader is inside it. Okay? I, I don't know if you're in there, Paul. I have absolutely no idea. I could check. Right? But I'm not positive. I, we'd have to go all the way through. Right? You'd assume. assume the assume, assuming yes. Assuming yes. Right? He said, this person was set up for this from the beginning. Bitzalel was in the Sefer. His name was there. He was set up from the beginning of time to be the guy to build up the Mishkan. That's what it said in the Sefer of Adam And that's what it means. Re'eh. See this. Look at this. He pulled out a Sefer, pulled it out, looked at him and said, you see Bitzalel's name? That's who's going to be in charge of building the Mishkan. That's the person who's going to be in charge over here, which is absolutely brilliant. The Chsam Sofer in Torah's Moshe and Parshas Vayakil says, Moshe told Bnei Yisrael, Re'u Karasi B'Shem because not only did he get shown the Sefer of Adam Rishon, he took that Sefer of Adam Rishon, which apparently he had, and showed it to Klal Yisrael. So Klal Yisrael said, look, honestly, we didn't think that he was going to be good enough. He's a 13-year-old kid. We didn't think that Bitzalel was going to be the right person. Plus, we were thinking nepotism. But his name's in the book. It's not a magic trick. He's in there. That name has been in there since the beginning of time. They saw themselves that Bitzalel had been prepared for this. They realized, okay, we, there's, forget about having a choice here. It makes sense that this is exactly what needs to be done. Rabbeinu Bechaya says this means his neshama was engraved and set from the powers of Atzilus the highest level, the four olamos of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that had been set from the first six days of creation that his neshama would be zocha to build the house for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he was the one set up for this, which is amazing. That's what the other Marishan Sefer, the Yalku Ravini number 17, I'll just say, says all of these names were signed by Chashmal. It's a name of set of Malachim, but the way it's written in the Yalku Ravini is Chashmal is in Ches, Shin, Mem, with the two lines in the Lamed, I don't know if it's a reference to something else or just the set of malachim called Hashmalim. I don't know. 
and a sheet spread out into the air that had men and women pictured on it and worded on each side of who was going to be the future leaders. Miam Loei says it was not just a sheet in the air, it was an actual safer handed down to Moshe Rabbeinu, who gave it then to the future generations, and it was there. It's mentioned once in Shas, Shmuel, in Bava Metziah, Pevav, it's Pevav, right? Pechesam et Aleph, where Shmuel was, they were trying to give him smicha. Rabbi Yudah Nasi wanted to give him smicha. And Shmuel refused. Why? Because he said in the Sefer of Adam Arishon, it says Shmuel will be the doctor of Rebbe and it doesn't call him a Rebbe. That's it. So he never got smicha. Shmuel ran away to Bavel and refused to get smicha because the Sefer of Adam Arishon didn't have him down as a Rebbe. It had him down as a doctor. Isn't that Unbelievable. But Shmuel said he saw it. It's the only time it's mentioned in Shas. Maybe it's mentioned in Yerushalmi somewhere. I don't know. But it's the only time that it's mentioned in Shas, and it's in the Medrash Rabbah right over here. The Miyamwe says, come on. He needed a book? HaKadosh Baruch whose word isn't good enough? What, he couldn't say to Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, I want him to be leader. And that's that. He had to show him a book. Look, I got a book. He's in here. That's what you needed? That sounds strange, doesn't it? Couldn't HaKadosh Baruch have just said, this is what I want? The answer is, he had... He, Moshe Rabbeinu was so afraid. He sat there and he's like, wait a second, wait a second. What did I do? You want Bitzalel instead of me? What did I do wrong? Did I sin? Was I part of the Ego Azov? Am I not deserving to build the Mishkan? He wanted so badly to do the Mishkan. And to that, Hashem said, no, 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 you don't understand. You obviously could do it. But Bitzalel has been set in time from the creation of the world for this. So therefore, he's going to be chosen even though Moshe Rabbeinu, you yourself, of course, could have done something like that. It's, still, it's known as his Mishkan, Moshe Rabbeinu's Mishkan. But Bitzalel was already set in time to be able to do this. There's a great story with the Chavetz Chaim where Tzvi Hirsch Broidy was asked to fill the position of his father-in-law, the Saba Mikelm, and to move to Eretz Yisrael, become a Rosh Hashiva there when the Saba Mikelm passed away. So they asked his son-in-law, Ritzvirosh Brody, to do it. So he sent his brother-in-law, Rav Zev Ziv, to ask the Chavetz Chaim what the Chavetz Chaim thought. Should he move to Eretz Yisrael, leave Europe and move to Eretz Yisrael to be able to do that? Chavetz Chaim's answer was a brilliant answer. He says that Tsar, he would spread all of his armies out over the entire country, and he points commanders. There are commanders for each spot. There's captains, there's generals in each area. Each appointment is, has to be made with wisdom because obviously the mistake of just one general, one commander, one captain can cause others to lose their lives. That's obvious, right? If a commander decides that he's going to join his troops and put someone else in charge, he can be court-martialed. Why would he be court-martialed? Because your job is to be a commander, not to stand with the troops. You can't put your da- yourself on the line like that. You've got a job to do. Your job is to command the troops, not to fight with the troops. You have to understand what you're supposed to do here. Even if you want to be brave and you want to go out there, that's the wrong thing to do. That is the absolute wrong thing to do because everyone here has a job. So he said the following. He said, we, we have no idea what we're supposed to do in the eyes of a Kaddish Baruch We don't know. But when you see a person who's very successful in a certain area, Somebody's very successful at something and he's leading their flock properly, whether that's his family or a business or a rabbi. If things are going well in that area and things are proper, that's a simon that they're in the right place. Said the Chavetz Chaim to Rebroidi, I've heard of your success leading your flock in Kelm. I've heard how well you've done with the people there. 
And therefore, that tells me that a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants you to remain the Rebbe in Kelm, the Rav in Kelm, and not go to Eretz Yisrael. Not go to Eretz Yisrael itself. Even if you'll be more successful there. Isn't that an unbelievable line? And therefore, the Rebroidi said 100%. He listened to those words. He did not leave and he stayed in Kelm for the rest of his life. A person's acceptance of knowing who they are and what they're supposed to do what their job is. That's the idea of what happened over here with Moshe Rabbeinu. He so badly wanted it, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed him, this is the Sefer. Look at what it says. Shmuel, accepting that he's not going to be a Rebbe. You don't think Shmuel could have gotten smicha? You don't think Shmuel could have gotten a pure smicha? From, of course he could have gotten smicha. He was a brilliant genius, and he was the head of the yeshiva Narda. He was the head of the yeshiva, and not even a Rebbe. The head of the yeshiva. He started Torah in Bubble. He was there before even Rav came. Before Rav came to Bubble, Shmuel was there starting, and everything we have in Bubble comes from Shmuel and Rav. And you know what even happened even more so? When Rav came to Bubble and started his yeshiva in Surah, and Shmuel was in Narda, he sent his Talmidim over to Rav. His famed Talmud, the one that everybody knows, Rav Yehuda. Rav Yudah will quote all the time, Amr Rav Yudah, Amr Shmuel, Amr Rav Yudah, Amr Rav. He sent Rav Yudah, his best student, he said, go to Rav. Go learn by Rav. That is a person who knows exactly what they're supposed to do in this world and why they're doing it and exactly what they're saying. This is him. This is who he was. Yeah, Paul. Are you saying that anyone in the Gemara that doesn't have Rav or Rebbe is a Masmika? It depends. I mean, if you're dealing with, it depends on the time period. If you're dealing with before the times of Beis Hillel Beis Shammai, then their names were their Hashivas, like Shmaya, Avtalian, Hillel, Shammai, Yosef and Yosef and Yochanan, right? All those, their names were just that special. Sort of how we say like Moshe Rabbeinu or Yoshua without any accolade in front of it. As you went on, then it depended. There were, by the times of the Tanoim, you were either Rabban or Rebbe, depending on what status you had, etc. And then when they went to Bavel, by the Amorayim, there was the Rebbe in Eretz Yisrael and the Rav inside Bavel. The people who are not named Rebbe. Rav is totally different. He was Abba Aricha. He had smicha. He was given smicha. And his issue was that he was too smart. He was able to be Mata Bechoros, which was something totally different. It's a Gemara in Chulin. Right? That's a different story altogether. But when you get to some of the other people out there, like, for example, Karna, who was a student of Shmuel and Rav, eventually Rav, right? Karna was never named Rebbe or Rav because he got it from Shmuel. There were other people. Let's think like um, uh, Plimo. Plimo was a student of Rebbe Yudanasi. He never got smicha either. He refused to get smicha because he didn't think he needed it. He shows up in the Gemara quite a bit. You'll see certain people. I can't tell you. Everybody had their reasons. But yes, it means they never got smicha, but it doesn't mean they don't, they don't deserve it. If they're in the Gemara, they're awesome. They're automatically awesome. Yeah, there's one exception. Moshe Bar-Atsri. Moshe Bar-Atsri is known as an Amaharetz. He's the only Moshe in all of Shas. You know that? Shas, Bavli, Yushalmi, Midrashim, there is only one person by the name of Moshe. Did you know that? One person. One Tana or Amora. There is not a single Tana or Amora known as Moshe except for Moshe Bar-Atsri, who's mentioned in Baba Basra, I think it's Kuf Ayin Dalit Amabes, and one other place in Lake Bechoros, it's the same Gemara, just repeated in two different places, he's known as an Amaretz. The only Moshe in all of Shas, Babli, Yerushalmi, Midrashim, etc., is an Amaretz. What is that? Is that crazy? You know, there's only one Avram as well. Not Avraham. There's not a single Rebbe or Rav Avraham ever mentioned in all of Shas, Midrashim, anywhere. There's one Avram, Avram, Avram Chuzah in Gittin Daf Nun. That's it. It's the only one that's mentioned. You know that? 
It's crazy. There's Yitzchaks, there's Yaakovs, but then you go through the names of the Shvatim. Some of them appear like Yehuda, Levi, Shimon. You get a bunch of those, right? There's no, like, Guns, Naphtali's, Zvulins, Usher. It doesn't appear. There is a Dun Ben Zvulin in Kiddushin Chav Tesema Beis, but we don't even know if that's a real name. It's just used when referring to Kibbutz Aim or whatever. We have absolutely no idea. It's a crazy idea. It's an absolute crazy idea. Okay, let's go on. We're going to try to finish this up over here. There's a bunch over here that I'm skipping over here. If you look in the middle, the Gur Aryeh, etc., the Chidah, the Chsam Sofer, Rav Vigdor Miller, and then it's Siv. But there was a lot of work to do. Okay, there was a lot of fashioning out of the gold, silver, copper, refining each one of them, all the metals, the woodwork, right, weaving, everything. The Ibn Ezra says Bitsala was chosen to lead all of it because he was the person most fit to do everything. And that's why it says the word Bishem, Karasi Bishem, to show how special that he was. The Ramba, Ramban and the Tur says, look, these Jews, they were slaves in Egypt, right? That was not very conducive to becoming gold workers or silver workers or smiths or artisans in any way. They made bricks out of straw and mud. That was their expertise. They never used precious materials. They never did anything like that. It would be an absolute wonder for someone to be proficient in any single one of these trades, let alone someone who was proficient in everything. Who knew how to work with gold and silver and everything like that? Bitsala was simply born. This is how the Ramban and the Torah said. He was simply born with an innate ability to understand how to do everything. He knew how to take things apart, put them back together. And not only that, but he understood the secrets of the Mishkan and was able to do it through Chachma, Bina, and Das. He was able to do all of that, allowing to use all that wisdom for the greatest thing out there. And that's why the Medrash says that Bitsala was Mitzarev Osios. He knew how to do everything. He had... Kabbalah ingrained in him from his youth. It's almost as if the Malach forgot to touch him right over here. You know what I'm saying? Like he had the little thing and the Malach forgot to touch him. He just was born and at 13, this kid was, had absolutely everything there. Targum Yonason says his name fit him. El. He was the shadow of God. He had everything that God wanted him to do. Everything was right there. right? And even when the instructions were unclear, which is the famous message which we talked about earlier. Brachos Nunheim and Aleph says that he was so great that he was Mitzar Vosios. Rav Schwab in Mayan Beis HaShoeva says one of the greatest things out there. I, seriously, one of the craziest things you've ever seen. He explains, and I'm going to do it quickly. Everyone understands the order of the Aleph Beis. You tell somebody the order of the Aleph Beis and they get it, right? Aleph Beis, Gimel, that. They even understand the numeric value. If you say one, two, three, four, because numbers are logic, right? Everything's logical when it comes to math. And everything has to follow a certain order. There's a path that you can take. And if you understand that path, you understand the formulas to be able to get from one place to the other. Math is the easiest thing in the world because it's just a logical order that goes one after the other. Just things get convoluted in our heads. But math is obviously pure logic in everything that goes. That's easy to understand even with our puny minds. There's no issue with that whatsoever. The Torah, therefore, was written in a logical, mathematical fashion. Where it's aliphase, there's only 22 letters, they all have a numeric value, and it's all written out there. So it was written in that way so that we, even the simplest of human beings, could understand it. We could look at it, we'd be like, okay, Baratheus bar Kim. I get how things are put together, and everything goes right over there. But lisvuna so emispar. The literal translation of that is, for his understanding, we can't talk about, we can't deal with it. But lisvuna so his understanding, there is no number. There is no logic to the actual tibuna of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, meaning that sirufim above and how letters work don't make any sense at all. You all see by Anna Bekoach on Friday night, you see those little letters on the side, Abag Yatatz, Karasafen, Neged Yakash, that is the 42-letter name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
And if you ask me, wait, it's the 42-letter name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how am I allowed to say it? Because the letter combinations between them mean nothing in reading it out loud. You read it out loud, that doesn't mean anything. The point of Tzirufei Osios, of being able to be Metzarif Osios, is to be able to understand that the letters of HaKadosh Baruch Hu are not logical. They don't fit in that way. You're putting them together in your head in a different form altogether than how they appear on paper in the regular numeric value that's in front of you. And if that's confusing, it should be. This is the fourth level of learning of Pardes, where you get into the Soto Satoru, where things are confusing and there's secrets out there. That's why when we deal with Rebbe Yishmol putting numbers on top of the, the base of Mikdish's barrels, some say they put Aleph, Bez, Gimel, and Rebbe Yishmol gets up there and says, no, nope, they used Alpha, Beta, Gamma. Why would they have used another language to be able to put on top of the barrels of the base of Mikdish? Because the Aleph, Bez are not a joke. It's not a joke. You don't just make up things with the Aleph. The Aleph are the most special letters in the world that spell out a Kaddish Baruch Hu's name. Yes, it seems simple. It looks like it's obvious, like a guy like Ben Yehuda can make a whole language out of it and make it vrit and make it sound awesome. But that's not what the Aleph Beis are. The Aleph Beis are the most special letters out there in which Nevuah can be understood just by rearranging letters. It's not a joke when you use gematrias and notrikins and rashitaviuses and sophitaviuses. When you hear a guy saying a gematria, you're like, oh, anybody could do that. No, it's not a joke. It's a Kaddish Baruch who put billions of sodos of secrets in the Torah by just rearranging the letters. Atvash, that I could take an aleph and turn it into a tuff, or a base and turn it into a shin. It's crazy. You couldn't imagine that in the ABCs. Oh, if you take tzvi and you switch the Z for an A, that becomes avi. Wow. It doesn't make any sense, says Rav Schwab. The secrets behind this idea of tzirufiosios is to take the different letters and understand that there's a deeper meaning behind it. There's something greater behind it, something amazing behind it. That's why it's so important when we say that the ashray is in an order of aleph base, that it goes in order from beginning to end. When we say these, it's not just something cute that it's in the Aleph phase order, that it's a Seder, it goes through. No, no, no. It's, it, it shows our Amunam Bitakon in the absolute process of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. I've got three minutes and I'm going to run through this. Ibn Ezra says the craziest thing, and I'm probably going to give a separate, like, three minute share on this afterward just because it's really, really hard. The Ibn Ezra says this Pasuk proves that Kalev ben Yefuna throughout the whole Torah is not Kalev ben Chatzron. They're different people. There's Kalev ben Yefuna and there's Kalev ben Chatzron. He says it in this Pasuk. Now, guys, as I mentioned before, does Kalev appear in this Pasuk? Bitsalo ben Uri ben Chur lamati Yehuda. Now, once does it mention Kalev's name? Now, what in the world is the Ibn Ezra talking about over here? He says this is Alderech Pshat with Rios Gemuros, pure proofs. And then he ends with Hamaskilim Yavinu. If you're wise, you'll understand. Now, I will tell you, the Avi Ezri says right there, the Avi Ezri writes on every Ibn Ezra, he answers up all the kashas that people ask in the Ibn Ezra. He is the supporter of the Ibn Ezra in every which way. Everything the Ibn Ezra says, the Avi Ezri is a pure support, a raya for everything he says. And it's unbelievable. And he goes on and he says, if Divrei Ayamim says that Kalev ben Yefuna and Kalev ben, ben, ben Chetzron are the same person, then who are we to argue? How could the Ibn Ezra argue on that? In every other case, you see that it, the Avi Ezra explaining the Ibn Ezra. And here he takes them apart. In fact, at the very end, he says, the words of Chachamim are like coals of fire. If you want to play with them, you're going to be burned. That's what the Avi Ezra says. Yelling at the Ibn Ezra, his Rebbe, 
for saying such a thing about Kali ben Chetzon versus Kali ben Yifuna. You know what he says? It's a simple math issue. And this is what the Ibn Ezra means. I just told you before that Kali was really the father of Khur, right? So it's a Gemara in Sanhedrin. It's right there in Sanhedrin that says the craziest thing in the world. Kalev is the father of Khur, who's the father of Uri, who's the father of Bitsalo, right? Bitsalo was 13 years old when he built the Mishkan. Kalev, we know his age. When he talks to Yoshua later on, he says, I'm 85 years old. At the time of the Meraglim, I was 40. In 40, when he was part of the Meraglim. That means the year before, when they left Mitzrayim, at this time, he's 39. Kalev is 39 years old and he has a 13-year-old great-grandson? Again, I'm not dealing with Midrashim here. Bitsalel is alive and building the Mishkan. He's at least 13 years old. He can't be a four-year-old. And Kalev, we know how old he is. He tells Yoshua how old he is. He says he was 39 at this time. And he had a 13-year-old great-grandson. How is that possible? The Gemara says he must have given birth at the age of eight. And Uri gave birth at the age of eight. And Hur gave birth at the age of eight. And that's the only way. Says the Ibn Ezra, it's impossible. This Pusik that Betzalo was chosen to build the Mishkan proves that the Kalev, who's the great-grandfather of Betzalo, is not the same Kalev that we have in our Torah. It proves it. How else could they have been married? How could that have happened? How could an eight-year-old... And says the Abiezri, of course we don't understand that. An eight-year-old giving birth to an eight-year-old who gives birth to an eight-year-old who gives birth? Nobody understands that. We have absolutely no idea. But if Chazal said it, don't get burned. Don't allow yourself to argue on something where you can get burned otherwise. I've got something even crazier on this, and I don't have time to say it, but I'm going to say it really, really quickly. How old was Miriam when they left Mitzrayim? 86. 86 years old when they left Mitzrayim. Kalev was 39. Kalev was 39, and Miriam was 86. How much younger was he? 86 minus 39. He's, what, 47 years younger than her? 47 years younger than her. But Kalev gave birth at the age of eight with Miriam. That means that at the age of eight, Kalev was eight, he married Miriam, who was 56 years old. In Pshat, this is not a medrash. Miriam was 56 years old, and Kalev was eight, and somebody made that shidduch. Who put that shidduch together? And he gave birth. And then Uri gave birth. And then Hur gave birth. Hur gave birth, I'm sorry. And then Uri gave birth. And the other wife, anybody know who was Kalev's other wife? Bisya, daughter of Paro. She was older. She was at least 90. If she found Moshe Rabbeinu when she was 10 years old. How in the world does that happen? That's why the Ibn Ezra has to say what he does. He said it's impossible. How in the world could Kalev be the same person? He would have been eight and the shidduch with Miriam never, an eight-year-old together with somebody who's 45 years older than her, than him? That makes no sense. That's why the Ibn Ezra says what he does. But the words of Chazal are like coals. You want to play with them, you could be burned. There's so much to say about this Ibn Ezra. There's so much to say on it. I have a little bit more over here. But we have, we have a lot. It, it just on the outset, the Ibn Ezra makes sense. But Chazal say that Kalab is Kalab And if we have to answer by saying that he was eight years old when he gave birth... That's all we can do. Such a crazy line. Such an unbelievable chazal. Stop with that, everybody. Have a great Shabbos.